With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Left off last week with Bill Durham and Shane Griffin's interviews with Damian Eccles and Jason Baldwin. As a quick recap, up to this point, we've isolated the beginning of the investigation into Damian Eccles to this report written by Detective Sudbury. Quote, On the day after the bodies of the three boys were found, I had a conversation with Steve Jones, a juvenile officer for Crittenden County, Arkansas. In our conversation, I found that Steve and I shared the same opinion that the murders appeared to have overtones of cult sacrifice. During our conversation, Steve mentioned that of all people known by him to be involved in cult-type activities, one person stood out in his mind that, in his opinion, was capable of being involved in this type of crime. That person was Damien Eccles. Steve stated that Damien lived at 2706 South Grove in Broadway Trailer Park in West Memphis, Arkansas. On this day, the day after the bodies were found, I asked Steve if he would meet me at Damien's residence in order to interview Damien. In fact, the day after the bodies were discovered, I went to 2706 South Grove and met with Steve Jones, whereas we talked to Pamela and Eddie Hutchison, the mother and stepfather of Damien. Neither Pamela or Eddie objected to our talking to Damien. On this day, with Pamela and Eddie's permission, we talked to Damien in his bedroom, and on this day, I took a Polaroid of Damien Eccles. At this time, I observed Damien to have a tattoo on his chest of a five-pointed star or pentagram, and as best I remember, one other tattoo on his shoulder or arm. I am unsure of the nature of this tattoo. Signed, Lieutenant James Sudbury. We also learned last week that a year prior to the murders, Jerry Driver was consulting with satanic cult expert Dr. Dale Griffiths about Damien and cult activities in West Memphis. Steve Jones was Jerry Driver's assistant and has went on record saying that Driver was obsessed with the occult and that the two of them actually spent full moon evenings patrolling the area looking for cult activity. Where we stand today, I believe that we've reached a point where we can all agree that the reason Damien Eccles became a suspect within hours of finding the bodies was not due to any evidence or tips. The chronology goes like this. Damien gets arrested in 1992. Jerry Driver is assigned to him as his probation officer. Driver is obsessed with the occult, and I guess due to Damien's dress and reputation, he believes that Damien is a Satanist. Driver contacts cult expert Dale Griffiths. Griffiths helps Driver plan to prevent what he believes are inevitable child sacrifices. 
Driver begins patrolling the area on full moon night with his assistant Steve Jones in an attempt to thwart any local cult activities. On May 6, the bodies of Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers are discovered. James Sudbury and Steve Jones look at the crime scene and believe the boys were murdered as part of a satanic ritual, which is interesting in and it of itself considering Jones supposedly got sick and left the scene as soon as the bodies were discovered and James Sudbury was never even on the scene. Sudbury was on the drug task force and was at the time being investigated himself by the state police. In any case, Jones tells Sudbury that there's only one person who he believes is capable of a crime like this, and that person is Damian Eccles. Jones and Sudbury conduct their first interview with Eccles less than 24 hours after the bodies were found. Jones takes a photo of Eccles and begins to canvass the local trailer parks asking about Damian and his involvement in the occult. On May 9th, Detective Bill Durham and Officer Shane Griffin track Damian down at his friend Jason Baldwin's house. Both Eccles and Baldwin answered questionnaire questions during this interview. Griffin and Durham both wrote reports. At this point, we have three documented interviews of Damian Eccles within the first 72 hours of the discovery of the bodies. So we left off at the end of the day on May the 9th. And that's where we'll pick up the investigation in today's episode. One of the most eventful days of the investigation into Damian Eccles, May the 10th, of 1993. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The next morning, May 10th, Damien was interviewed for the fourth time by Detective Brian Ridge. Ridge had went through the same questionnaire with Damien that Griffin had gone over with him the day before. The note at the top of the page says that this interview took place at 11.54 a.m. These were Damien's answers to the questionnaire, according to this report, which actually says Sudbury on the top. So it appears that Ridge and Sudbury were interviewing Eccles here. Did you know the boys? Never heard of them. What should happen to someone who did something like this? Should they have a second chance? If for fun, death. Mental, just locked up. It seems that Damien is saying that if someone just killed the boys for fun, they should get the death penalty. The killer is mental, then they should just be locked up. The note under this says, should have second chance. Who do you think did this and why? Sick, satanic. Could it have been an accident? was not an accident, I don't think. Damien's response to question number six is interesting. Sudbury asks, Did you or do you know who did this? Damien answers, Jason Baldwin. 
Here's a fun fact. There were actually two Jason Baldwins living in the West Memphis area at the time. The note reads, Jason Baldwin, 300 pounds, lives in West Memphis, 5'9", 18 years old, hangs out at Lakeshore Trailer Park, dope and drinks. Now, most of you probably know that Damien's co-defendant, and also the guy that he had just interviewed with the day before this, was a boy named Jason Baldwin. That Jason Baldwin was Damien's best friend. He was 16 at the time and was a skinny little kid, not a 300-pound 18-year-old. Damien's friend Jason Baldwin, or Charles Jason Baldwin, lived in the Lakeshore Trailer Park. The big Jason Baldwin, or Jason Howard Baldwin, lived on Johnson Drive near Barton, right across the street from Weaver Elementary. The two Jason Baldwins will get further confused as we move along, but for now, let's go back to Damien's answers. Damien responded that the killer could have been the big Jason Baldwin and also lists a boy named L.G. Hollingsworth, a cousin to Damien's girlfriend, Dominie Teer. Next is question number nine. How do you think they died? The note reads, mutilation, cut up all three, heard they were water drowning, cut up one more than others, just one person. I'm not exactly sure what that last note means, just one person. I assume that it means that Damien said that he thinks there was just one perpetrator, but there's no way to really tell until we get into the later reports. Do you believe in God and the devil? I believe in a God, but a female God. Evil force, not a devil. How do you think it would feel to kill or watch someone die? Probably make them feel good. Give them power. I'll point out here that Damien has claimed that the answers to many of these questions were twisted as he said last week, meaning he claims that many of what became his answers were actually him agreeing to suggestions by the detectives. I point it out here because the response doesn't seem to fit the question on the questionnaire. The question asks, how do you think it would feel to kill or watch someone die? The response says, probably make them feel good, give them power. It would seem to me that the question would have been more along the lines of how do you think it made the killer feel rather than how would it make you feel? There's a subtle difference there. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to kill someone, even if you didn't go through with it? Only out of anger to beat someone up. Whatever you do comes back to you three times, so I am good. Have you ever been sexually or mentally abused? No, would not make, and then I can't read the rest of the note, it's illegible. How does being questioned make you feel? Now remember, the first time he was asked this question by Shane Griffin, he replied, doesn't bother me. It's now been three days since the interview started, and Ridge is the fifth officer to question Damien, and this is the fourth time that he's been questioned. This time he responds, Quote, scared. Are you a hunter, fish, camping? Damien says no outside and then the rest is illegible. How do you think the person who did this feels? Probably think it's funny. Won't care if he gets caught. Where were you Wednesday, May 5th between 6 and 10 p.m.? The note here is illegible. Have you ever experimented with controlled substances? Sniff gas. Then here in the notes, it says that Sudbury combined questions 20 and 21, which are, are you familiar with Turtle Hill? 
Are you familiar with Robin Hood Hills? Now, Damien responds here, quote, have been in woods. But I will point out that those were two separate questions on the questionnaire. Griffin asked them separately, and Damien responded no to Turtle Hill and yes to Robin Hood Hills. Sudbury, in his notes, lumps the two together and records a response that seems to indicate that Damien is familiar with both. Would you take a polygraph? It says no, then the rest is illegible. I think it could say no reason I wouldn't, but it's really hard to read. You have to check it out on the website for yourselves in the case docs for this episode. Now, when Griffin asked the same question, Damon responded that he didn't think polygraphs were accurate and no, he wouldn't take one. Then the last question is, why would your fingerprints be in the area of the crime scene? And Damien's response, they won't be. Now, beside the notes where the answers are listed for this questionnaire that was apparently completed by Detective Sudbury, there are also handwritten notes written by Detective Brian Ridge. There's some interesting details found in the notes that are not listed on a questionnaire response sheet from Ridge's notes. At the top of Ridge's report, it reads, White Witch, Goddess, Not Man. Everyone works toward divine light, at which time they become like gods. Ridge goes through three days of Eccles' timeline. Tuesday, at home, 10.30 to 11 p.m. Necklace, picked up at Mall of Memphis this Saturday. Mowed yard. Wednesday, we went to Randy and Susan Sanders, 3 to 5 p.m. Mom, Dad, and Sister Michelle Eccles, went home. Until 11.30 p.m., on phone, Holly George, Barthel. Thursday, Lakeshore, 3 p.m. Stayed night with Dominique Tier, five months pregnant. Jason Baldwin's mother told of kids missing. Next, we have another mention of Steve Jones suggesting to Damien that the killer urinated in the boys' mouths. From the report, quote, Steve Jones told that testicles had been cut off and someone had urinated in the mouths, and the bodies had been placed into water to flush it out. This particular note is important, and it will become more important as we move forward. This rumor about urine in the boys' mouths somehow gained a foothold with the West Memphis Police Department. It was even mentioned in a letter written by Chief Inspector Gary Gitchell to the crime lab on May 26. Gitchell was complaining that he still had not received the autopsy reports, and he needed answers to a lot of these questions in order to properly investigate the case. He said in that letter that Peretti had said that urine was found in the boys' stomachs. Now, in a later testimony by Peretti in 2009 during the appeals, Peretti made very clear that he had never said this and has no idea where that rumor got started. And as I said, this will become more important in the next few weeks. But I do want to point out here that Damian Eccles telling me in last week's episode that Steve Jones had told him that the killer had urinated in the boys' mouths was not the first time that he's made this claim. Here he is a couple days after he talked to Jones, telling Brian Ridge the exact same thing. Now this next part, make note of, because we're going to come back to it later. On page two of the notes, it says, Sick, Thrill Kill. The next line reads, Satanic, Penis, Symbol of Power. Under that, it says Wicca. The next line says, To Satanists, 
three is a sacred number. The next line reads, Mean second Jason Baldwin, Lakeshore area, kills snakes for hell of killing. Then in parentheses, it says, not queer, smokes dope with L.G. Hollingsworth, cousins by marriage to Dominie, wanted to trade girlfriends for a night. Possibly died of mutilation. Some guy cut up. Heard in water may have drowned. At least one cut up. May have cut up one more than others. Purpose may have been to scare someone. Believes that it was only one. Fear of squealing. The next line reads, Water, demon-type symbolism. No control of demonic force all people have. Person doing would probably feel good. Younger, more innocent, more innocent, more power. Evil Done comes back times three. The next line reads, Book of Revelation slash Good Parts. Next it says, New kids and ask them out there. Not big, not smart, easy to control. Not worried about screaming being in woods slash expressway. Probably wanted to hear it. Probably thinks it's funny. Doesn't care if caught. Stays in area. Candles, knife, crystals. Thinks that it is someone local. Won't run. And on the last page, it says, Anthony Anton LaVey, Satanist book. Like Stephen King books. Sex is now boring. Evil across left knuckle along with young Jason Baldwin. Considers self very intelligent. No Michael and David Wren. Wants to be a writer. Scary poetry. The reason that I wanted to read to you the notes that Brian Ridge took by hand during the interview is because after the interview was complete... Brian Ridge wrote a report summarizing the events of the day, which we'll get to right after the break. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. May 10th was a busy day in the investigation into Damien Eccles. On this day, Damien voluntarily signed a consent form. The form allowed the West Memphis PD to collect a bunch of samples from him. The samples included saliva, head hair, body hair, pubic hair, and blood for examination and comparison. This form was signed and witnessed by Brian Ridge and Shane Griffin. So that's three officers that had visited Eccles on the 10th. Ridge, Sudbury, and Griffin. But wait, there's more. Eccles was also interviewed on the same day by Detective Bill Durham at the police station. During this interview, Damien voluntarily agreed to take a polygraph test. Durham conducted the test himself. From the polygraph test report, these are the relevant questions and Damien's responses. At any time Wednesday or Wednesday night were you in Robin Hood Hills? 
No. Were you present when those boys were killed? No. Did you kill any of those three boys? No. Do you know who killed those three boys? No. Do you suspect anyone of having killed those three boys? No. The report reads, It is the opinion of this polygraph examiner that this subject recorded significant responses indicative of deception when he answered the above relevant questions in the manner noted. What Durham's report doesn't give us is if there was deception indicated in the control questions. Typically, reports like this will tell you how people scored on the control and the relevant questions so that you can see if the report was valid. Following the polygraph, Durham conducted a post-polygraph interview with Eccles and wrote the following report. On May 10, 1993, I interviewed Damian Wayne Eccles, white male, 18. He denied any involvement of the crime. After approximately 45 minutes, I asked the subject what he was afraid of. He replied, quote, the electric chair. He then said that he liked the hospital in Little Rock. He said he had been treated there for manic depression. After a short period of time, he ceased to deny involvement. Then in parentheses, he writes, admission through absence of denial. He then said, quote, I will tell you all about it if you will let me talk to my mother. Detective Ridge brought his mother into the office to talk with him. After talking to his mother, he again denied being involved in the murders. After approximately 20 minutes, I asked, quote, You're never going to tell anyone about this but your doctor, are you? He replied, No. Signed, Bill Durham. Now at this point, whether Eccles is innocent or guilty, I believe that he was terrified. In a matter of three days, he had been interviewed at least five times by five different officers. He went from being told that they just needed his help to taking biological samples from him. He had just failed a polygraph examination. And now it's clear from Durham's notes that the detectives were now directly accusing him of the murders. Unfortunately, although the interview took place in the police station, Durham didn't record it. So we're going to have to take his word for what Damien said in the post-polygraph interview. The last document that we're going to cover today that sums up the activities on May 10th is a report written by Detective Brian Ridge. I'm not going to read the entire report because it's five pages long and a lot of it you've already heard, but it's available on our website or on Callahan's if you want to read it for yourself. But there's some relevant portions of the report that I want to read back to you. Damian Wayne Eccles, who is also known as Michael Wayne Hutchison, came to the West Memphis Police Department for an interview concerning any information that he may have concerning the above-noted homicide. Present during the interview were Lieutenant James Sudbury of the Crittenden County Drug Task Force, myself, Detective Brian Ridge, and Damien. A subject description was filled out that contained information about Damien's residence, his vital statistics, and his family. At this point, Damien was not considered to be a suspect, and only general knowledge questions were being asked. Damien was very calm and even cold as he answered the questions concerning his background and any knowledge he may have concerning the homicide. Damien stated that he was a member of a white witch group that he referred to as Wicca. He stated that his belief was there was a goddess and not a god. He said that everyone in the group works toward a divine light. Upon reaching that state, they become like gods themselves. He's been a member of this group for about five years, he stated. Damien stated that he had met one person that he considered to be a priestess. He stated that the person he met was Deanna Holcomb. 
who he stated lived in the Harbor Yard, Hardin Village area of Marion, on Cabral Cove. He stated that she worshipped cats and what she did with her form of witchcraft. Now, as a side note, Deanna Holcomb was the girlfriend that Damien was with the year before when he was arrested. Further down the report, we find this paragraph. Damien was wearing a necklace that he claimed that he had just bought at the Mall of Memphis on the Saturday before this interview. The necklace had a pentagram as a pendant that Damien explained meant some type of good symbol for the Wicca magic he was in. Damien stated that on Wednesday, he was with Jason Baldwin and Dominique Tear, and that they had gone to Jason's uncle's house on Center Street in West Memphis. He couldn't give a specific address, but said that it was near Alexander's laundromat, where he stated that he called his mother to pick him up. He stated that his mother picked him up along with Dominique Tear and took Dominique home. Domini is Damien's girlfriend who was pregnant with Damien's baby. I want to make a side note here because in one of the earlier interviews, the detective's notes say that Damien's mom picked up Damien, Jason, and Domini. But here in the more detailed notes from Ridge, it says that only Damien and Domini were picked up, not Jason. Now back to the report. Domini lives in Lakeshore Trailer Park with her mother. Damien stated that after he and his mother dropped Domini off, that he, along with his mother, sister Michelle, and father Joe Hutchison, had gone to the residence of Susan Sanders and visited for a while. He stated that he was at their residence at about 3 to 5 p.m. on that date. After leaving that residence, he went home where he stated that he got on the phone with a Holly George, who he states lives in Bartlett, Tennessee. He stated that he got off the telephone with Holly after talking for a long time about 11.30 p.m. that night. Further down the report, it says... Damien stated that Steve Jones from the Juvenile Authority had been to see him a day or two before this, and Steve had told him about how the boy's testicles had been cut off and that someone had urinated in their mouths. He stated that Steve stated that could have been the reason that the bodies were placed in the water so that the urine could have been washed out. Damien had an opinion for who could have done the murders as being someone sick and that it was some type of a thrill kill. He also states that the penis was a symbol of power in his religion known as Wicca. He also states that the number three was a sacred number in the belief. Now this is a paragraph that needs a little more scrutiny. And this is also why it's a pet peeve of mine for police officers not to record their interviews. Let me go back to Ridge's handwritten notes that he took during the interview. At the top of page two. Satanist, penis symbol of power. Then it says, to Satanists, three is a sacred number. So when Ridge is originally writing notes while Damien's talking, he says that Damien tells him that he believes in the Wicca religion, but Satanists believe that the penis is a symbol of power, and Satanists believe three is a sacred number. But later, when Ridge converts his notes into a written report, it reads as follows again. He also stated that the penis was a symbol of power in his religion known as Wicca. He also states that the number three was a sacred number in the belief. If there's anyone out there that is familiar with the Wicca religion, please write into us before the Friday follow-up because I'm really curious about a religion who has a female goddess and not a god that would see the penis as a symbol of power. So if someone can explain that to me, please, we'll talk about it in the follow-up. And that's not even to mention the fact that in Ridge's notes, Damien did not say that that was his belief or his religion's belief. 
In the notes, Damien clearly says that he is not a Satanist. He is a Wiccan. But Satanists believe those things. The report goes on to say, When asked about what he had heard about how the murders had occurred, he stated that they probably died of mutilation. He stated that he had heard that some guy had cut them up. He heard that they were placed in the water and that they may have drowned. He stated that because of what he had heard, he believed that at least one of the boys had been cut up. He stated that one of the boys may have been cut up more than the others. Damien felt like the homicide may have been for the purposes of trying to scare someone. Damien stated that he felt that it was probably one person because if it were more than one person, somebody would probably tell about it sooner or later. He said that there would be a fear of squealing by one of the persons in the act if it were more than one person. When asked if the water had any type of meaning in the Wicca or black magic, Damien stated that water was a demon-type symbolism and that all people have a demonic force. He further stated that people have control over the demonic force in them. Further down the report, when asked why he thought the victims were so young, he stated that the younger the victim, then the more innocent the victim would be. That in turn meant that the more innocent the victim would be, the more power that the person would have gotten from the sacrifice. Now what Ridge doesn't make clear here is if Damien is talking about Satanism or his religion Wicca. I'm not aware of Wiccans participating in any type of human sacrifice, but I could be wrong there. But in the handwritten notes, it seems that Ridge is questioning Damien about Satanic beliefs, but then in the later written report, it's written as though all of those beliefs belong to Damien. This next paragraph that I want to read to you appears to be somewhat embellished based on what Ridge had written in his handwritten notes during the interview. So we have a handwritten note that reads, Book of Revelation slash Good Parts. And that's it. Now remember, Detective Ridge is referring back to these notes when he's writing this report days or weeks or months later whenever he wrote it. So again, all that's in the report, Book of Revelation, Good Parts. In his later report, he writes, Damien stated that his favorite book of the Bible was that of Revelations because of the stories in it about what was being done by the devil and the suffering done by people at the devil's hand. The report goes on. Damien stated that he figured the killer knew the kids went into the woods and even asked them to come out to the woods. He stated that the boys were not big, not smart, and they would have been easy to control. He also felt the killer would not have been worried about the boys screaming due to it being in the woods and close to the expressway. He further stated that the killer probably wanted to hear the screaming. Further down, when asked what kinds of items we should be searching for, he stated that we should be looking for stones in the area, candles, a knife, and some type of crystals. Damien was asked what kind of cigarettes he was smoking, and he stated that he smoked the cheapest brand that he could find. Damien stated that he felt the murderer would be someone local, and that the person would not flee from the area. Damien was asked about his sex life, and he stated that he now thought sex was boring. It was noted that Damien had the tattoo of evil, E-V-I-N-L, across his left knuckles, and he stated that Jason Baldwin had the same tattoo on his knuckles. Now, as another side note here, I assume that Damien is talking about the big, mean Jason Baldwin and not his buddy Jason Baldwin. And I say that because I do know for a fact that Jason Baldwin, that we're all familiar with, Damien's best friend Jason Baldwin, does not have tattoos across his knuckles. I wanted to point that out because the mistake of confusing the two Jason Baldwins 
happens repeatedly throughout this case. At this time, Damien was asked if he would submit to having hair samples taken and blood samples. He stated that he did not object to the samples being taken. He was further asked if he'd be willing to take a polygraph examination if one could be scheduled, and he again said that he would take the test. Lieutenant Sudbury then left the room and attempted to set up a polygraph examination to determine if he was being truthful in his statements. I asked Damien if he considered himself to be intelligent, at which time he stated that he thought he was very intelligent. He stated that he dropped out of school but that he was self-taught and that he was very smart and more intelligent than most people. Lieutenant Sudbury asked questions throughout the interview that he had listed. Lieutenant Sudbury kept notes himself as to the answers that Damien had given to his questions. At this time, Damien was turned over to Detective Durham for a polygraph examination. After a time, Detective Durham came and met with me and the other officers and reported that Damien had been untruthful and, according to the polygraph, was involved in the murders. It was determined at this time Detective Durham and Lieutenant Sudbury would continue the interrogation that had begun when it was discovered that he was being untruthful. Signed, Detective Brian Ridge. Throughout the course of the day, Damien answered Sudbury, Ridge, and Durham's questions. He began the day with Ridge stating that he was not a suspect and ended it being interrogated by Durham. During the course of the interviews, Eccles indicated two people that he believed could have been involved in the murders. The big, mean Jason Baldwin and his girlfriend's cousin, L.G. Hollingsworth. Later that afternoon, at 4.05 p.m., Detective Mike Allen received the following tip. Detective Mike Allen picked up on line one and talked with what sounded like an older white female who stated that she had overheard that a Dominic and a Damien killed the three little boys and that LG, last name unknown, took and laundered their clothing. Caller stated that Damien had body parts in a box from the children. The caller stated she didn't want to give her name and that she heard that LG's mother was going to lie about LG's whereabouts. Signed, Mike Allen. Damien's failed polygraph and this anonymous tip could be the explanation as to why nothing was done to follow up on Brian Holland and Chris Morgan. It was just seven days later when they both failed their polygraph tests in Oceanside, California. At this point, Steve Jones, James Sudbury, Bill Durham, Shane Griffin, and Brian Ridge have been looking into Damien for four days. According to Eccles, Jones and Sudbury were showing the Polaroid picture of him to people in the neighborhood, asking if anyone knew about Damien's involvement in the murders. Earlier on this day, Damien himself indicates that L.G. Hollingsworth could be a suspect. And just hours later, an anonymous tip is called in, implicating both Damien and Hollingsworth. The question that you need to ask yourself is simple. Do you believe in coincidences? (laughs) 
Truth and Justice is a production of NBI Studios. Michael Bussing is your executive producer, and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Our Season 5 logo was created by Shane Yoder, and Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com designed, created, and manages and maintains our website. I also want to thank our transcription team, Britta Bliss, Anna Dindorf, Sarah Mueller, and Stephanie McConnell. Keep sending in your thoughts, theories, and questions to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at truthjusticepod. Don't forget you can always call into our 24-7 voicemail line at 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice.